Good morning, Covenant. Happy Memorial Day Sunday. It is a time of transition and celebration for many within the Covenant family, for school is out. (sighs) I thought there might be a few fans of that. Graduates are being celebrated tomorrow. Grills will be fired up. Pools will open and summer will begin. It's a long-awaited for holiday weekend for the weary worker. And tomorrow is a day set aside, as Thomas mentioned earlier, reminding us, praying with us to honor and to remember those who have served and sacrificed as we remember those currently serving and those who died while serving in the United States Armed Forces. Memorial Day grew out of a need to remember where we have been in order to shape where we are going. Our scripture this morning is Psalm 100, a psalm of praise and thanksgiving for the goodness of the Lord. It is perhaps the most familiar of all of the psalms of praise. It's brief and instructional and simple, yet its meaning is profound. God rules the world and we belong to God. The call to worship of Psalm 100, make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God. It is he that made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Oh, God of grace, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of all of our hearts, may it all be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In Psalm 100, the whole earth is called to worship and to give praise and glory to God. That verb, to worship, also means to serve. So people everywhere are called to worship and to serve the living God. The psalmist urges the people to praise God with the understanding that we are his, we belong to him, we are the sheep of his pasture. The the first four verses are the call to worship, and that fifth verse, the final verse, is the cause for worship. We worship with gladness. We bring glory and praise to God. We bless God's name because the Lord is good. God's goodness is what the psalm offers as the sole basis for its call to worship. The belief that God is great and good then draws us into praise, obedience, and gratitude. As psychologists continue to study the complexity of human emotions, one emotion receiving new attention is the psychology of gratitude, an emotion that historically has been more neglected in the field of psychology. In the book, The Psychology of Gratitude, Robert Emmons and Michael McCullough They note that gratitude is one of the most neglected emotions and one of the more underestimated virtues. 
The authors go on to note that the neglect of gratitude is interesting, noting especially that we who live in this society that we do not like to think of ourselves as indebted. We would rather see the good fortunes that we see around us as our own doing, explaining the neglect of gratitude because expressing gratitude involves an admission of our own vulnerability and our dependence upon someone else besides ourselves. Grateful people are happier, less depressed, less stressed, and more satisfied with their lives and social relationships. Grateful people have more positive ways with coping with the difficulties they experience in life are more likely to seek support and help from other people, are more likely to grow from difficult experiences and less likely to deny or avoid problems. Children who practice grateful thinking have more positive attitudes towards school and their families. Grateful people tend to be more generous with their money. The link between spirituality and gratitude has recently become a popular area of study. Studies have shown that faith is capable of enhancing a person's ability to be grateful. Therefore, those who regularly attend a worship service and who engage in religious activities are more likely to have a greater sense of gratitude in all of life. We are learning from great grateful or gratitude researchers, what many of us have known to be true, that thankfulness is good for our well-being and for our relationships. One of the striking features of this psalm is the affirmation that God is good. To speak of God as good is to affirm that the Lord is the source of all of life, making all of life possible and worthwhile. God is good because God does good things, acts and gives life, delivers us from evil, and blesses and empowers people. The word good recalls the evaluation of God's creative activity in Genesis 1. When God looked out on all that he created and said that it is good. In fact, when he looked out at humans, he then said, this is very good. The way that God had intended it. The goodness of God is the foundation on which all faith and hope rests. I find that word good to be a curious word. A word that we throw around pretty easily, barely grasping its full meaning. Think for me, think with me for just a moment about how we use that word good. For example, Santa will ask little ones who wait in line at a mall this December, were you good this year? Steph Curry is good and has a good night if he makes at least 30 points. Your sister is good when she does not raid your closet without asking in order to wear your favorite shirt. My new next door neighbors who have a schnauzer that barks at everything. Walter is good when he is quiet. My new next door neighbors are good when they bring Walter back inside. The concept of good for us is a squishy thing. I am good because I could have been worse. 
I'm good because some people are worse. I'm good because I can get other people feeling good about me or thinking I am good. It's not quite the same as being good, is it? So much of our use of good is tied to performance and behavior. What do we do then? When God does not act or behave in a way that we consider to be good, do we even believe that God is good? In C.S. Lewis's wonderful book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Four siblings walk through a wardrobe into the magical land of Narnia. Eventually, the children meet Aslan, a mighty lion, and the rightful king of Narnia, who has returned to defeat the evil white witch and her spell over Narnia. Aslan is the Christ figure in the story. The friends, the, excuse me, the, the kids befriend talking beavers, because that's what you do when you're in Narnia. These talking beavers become their tour guides in the land of Narnia. Aslan is introduced with the following conversation. Lucy, one of the kids, asks Mr. Beaver, Aslan, is he safe? Mr. Beaver replies, if there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, then they're either braver than most or else just silly. Then he isn't safe, says Lucy. Safe, says Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he is good. He's the king, I tell you. C.S. Lewis provides us with a complex understanding of good. While Aslan does provide comfort and consolation, he will also provide prodding and correction when it is needed, and he will call the children beyond what is comfortable and safe, beyond what they have been used to or known, but he is good and therefore can be trusted, which causes thanks. This week I had the experience of attending a, a wonderful class on mentoring with 11 students from around the world at Fuller Seminary in beautiful Pasadena, California. Just a few words on mentoring. Mentoring is the intentional relationship formal or organic, of one person being attended to by another for the purpose of growth. Spiritual mentoring involves one person being attended to by another under the direction of the Holy Spirit for the purpose of growth and obedience. A lot of mentoring happens organically. Eugene Peterson shares in his memoir, The Pastor, that his first mentor was a butcher Eugene's father was a butcher whose meat market was within just a short walk from the family home in a small rural town in Montana. That butcher shop was Eugene's introduction to the world of congregation. As people, as community came into that butcher shop where their names were known and dignity was conferred to all who came in the store. Mentoring is the whole idea of being with another. It's not a technique or a set of skills to master or learn. Spiritual mentoring says, imitate me as I imitate Jesus. Follow me as I follow Jesus, and we'll be co-learners together. 
You know, musicians rarely say that I have a degree from a certain place when asked about the source of their skill. More commonly, it's I studied guitar under a particular person. For example, my classically trained pianist friend Allison would say, I studied piano under Charles Ashbrenner, instead of noting the name of the institution where she received a degree in musical performance. It's the whole idea of being an apprentice to someone. In my Christian life, I have and continue to have many mentors as I think about gratitude. More than anyone else most recently, I have studied under a beloved covenant member who died just last month, the wonderful faith-filled Tony Moreno. By all accounts, Tony was a thankful man. He had eyes to see and understand that all of life is a gift from divine hands, for gratitude is ultimately a way of seeing of seeing what is around you a particular way and saying thank you for a greater variety of things more often. Perhaps this mark and practice of gratitude took deep root in Tony. When he was a corpsman with the United States Marines 5th Division when they were assigned to capture Iwo Jima, carrying around a 70-pound backpack filled with medical supplies to care for wounded Marines during World War II. Tony was one of only three Corps men from the 5th Division to survive Iwo Jima, the battle that had the highest percentage of casualties and deaths of any battles in World War II. He saw unspeakable things. He understood that he was indebted to grace. Sometimes we are grateful to God because we have survived. We have survived something that was incredibly painful to endure. Sometimes gratitude is gutsy because life does not always prompt easy gratitude, which sure was true for Tony not only during World War II, but also at the end of his life as he companioned his treasured wife, Gloria, of 68 years, watching her decline and ultimately die. Yet his journey was marked by gratitude to the end. Our friend Mark Roberts, who was here just last weekend with us, he calls this gutsy gratitude. Gutsy gratitude does not deny pain, but it's the experience of someone who is still able to give thanks to God for his mercy and goodness and grace in the midst of suffering and loss as they remember God's faithfulness in the past and trust in God's faithfulness in the present and in the future. It's a gift to watch, to have a courtside seat and a faith builder, frankly, to witness gutsy gratitude lived out. Friends, as a congregation, we are a community of practice. If gratitude is something that you know you need to practice or you just desire to better cultivate gratitude, then I'd like to offer two possibilities as a way to engage in the regular practice of gratitude in the days of ahead to cultivate this practice one being perhaps every night this week, 
At the end of the day, you could write down 10 things that you are grateful for from the day that you just experienced. 10 things you are grateful for for the day that you just lived through. Or write a new and original thing that you are grateful for for the next 21 days. One new or original thing that you are grateful for for the next 21 days in order to build a habit. Mystic monk and activist Tom Merton writes, and we've got this quote for you. To be grateful is to recognize the love of God in everything he has given to us. And he has given us everything. Every breath we draw is a gift of his love. Every moment of of existence is grace. For it brings with us immense graces from him. Gratitude, therefore, takes nothing for granted, is never unresponsive, is constantly awakening to new wonder and to praise of the goodness of God. For the grateful person knows that God is good, not by hearsay, but by experience. And that is what makes all the difference. Gratitude is, therefore, the heart of the Christian life. Friends, is that what people habitually notice in us? Or are they more prone to see a pattern of ingratitude? Are we able to see and to appreciate what we have? Or are we rather fixated and stuck on what is not? We often take our blessings for granted. And when things don't go according to our plans, we easily get frustrated with God. I have to tell you, it has been really good for me, really good to consider the goodness of God this week. The timing for me has been important because I believe on Tuesday that I should receive the news, learn the the results of a pathology report from a biopsy that my dearest friend had last week. Nothing for granted. The journey at times is difficult and demanding. We engage in peer mentoring. We mentor one another. We learn from one another. We help each other. We encourage one another to follow Jesus every day of our lives. And we help one another to remember the steadfast love and the faithfulness of God. God's goodness means God is committed and truthful and his commitment can be relied on. God is good and therefore can be trusted. I may need you to help me to remember that in the days ahead. I will do that for you as well. There are three important things about gratitude we learn from Scripture, from the whole of Scripture. I offer these to us now. The first being that gratitude is a choice. It's a choice we make every day. It's an attitude we choose to have. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 urges us to give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for us in Christ Jesus our Lord. Note, this does not say to give thanks for all circumstances, but rather to give thanks in all circumstances. Life is full of choices. Making the continual choice to be thankful will transform us over time to be a grateful people. Gratitude is a choice. And gratitude is a response. It is born out of what God has done for us. Because of Jesus, 
We have been rescued, redeemed, and given life. We have been given purpose, mission, and companions for the journey. Through his death, Christ has destroyed death. Through his life, he promises life. We have so very much to be grateful for. Gratitude is a response. And finally, gratitude is in action. It is critically important not only to feel grateful, but also to express it. Just like that one leper in Luke 17. You thought we were finished with Luke. I'm taking us back. That one leper in Luke 17 who chose gratitude. And something was made well in him besides just being healed of leprosy. He was made whole because his faith was a faith that said thank you. Friends, we all wrestle with someday mentality that when blank happens, then I will thank God. Or that when I get fill in the blank, then I will really be thankful. We cannot neglect or withhold giving thanks based on our life circumstance. We are called to worship and to give thanks to God today. The only proper response from the creature to the creator is to give an offering of thanks. And we can help one another to do this. For thankfulness is contagious. We are reminded of God's goodness when we hear someone else bear witness to how they are grateful to God. Which is what I'm going to invite us to do now as a response to God's word. That we are going to engage in the practice of gratitude. Helping one another to experience gratitude as we give what is called, it's actually an act of worship, a thank offering to the Lord. So in a word or with a sentence, say it loud for others to hear it. For what do you give thanks? Friendship. Friendship. Jesus. Purpose. Purpose. Family. Summer. Summer. <laughs> Let's get real with our gratitude. Health. Health. Shelter. Shelter. This world. Air. This world. Air. Yeah. Every second. Healing, Jill. your pastors, <laughs> friends, friends. Grace. grace, existence. existence. Work and rest. I'm sorry, work and rest. Yes, zipline. Zip <laughs> there you go. For what else do we give thanks? Freedom. Freedom. I'm sorry? Positive transitions? Nice. Covenant, music. I see a young hand in the back. Mommy and daddy. Mommy and daddy. Family? Family camp. 
helping others. What's that, Joe? Peter laughing, the sound of a baby laughing. A couple more. Just shout it out, will you? Is that Lillian? Hope. Sacrifices. Sacrifices. Memorial Day. Grandchildren. Grandchildren. What's this? The Texas Legislative (laughs) Session. Ending, which has, <laughs> has you uniquely are grateful for, Kate, I know. One or two more. Teachers. Parents. Teacher, youth group leaders. Kids. Libraries. What's that, Jill? Doctors? Okay, you two finish off over here. Basketball. Basketball. I'm sorry? Finding what is lost. Let's stand and continue to give a thank offering through song.